From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. In some ways, the easiest thing is to ask the question or make the statement, I should say, this is a must-win game for the Heat. Cool. Easy to say. The bigger question is, what do the Heat have to actually do to make that happen? It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. We're going to bring in some expertise. we got a lot of experts today joining us as we break down everything you need to know ahead of tonight's Game 4 in the NBA Finals. The Nuggets lead two games to one. Coverage will begin tonight on ESPN Radio at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Tim Bontemps, ESPN NBA reporter, joins us now. Tim, uh, always appreciates your time. In your mind, I, if I ask that question to you, the, the very simple statement is, well, Miami needs to win. Cool, Captain Obvious. The question is, how do they win? So who in your mind needs to step up for the Heat to help Bam and Butler tonight? All the role players need to hit threes. I mean, it's really that simple. If Miami hits their threes and holds down Jamal Murray, they have a chance to win the game. If they don't, they won't. And that, that's really the story of this series, and it's why I think Denver's going to win the next two games and win the title because I, I just think that, you know, Gabe Vincent said it best after game three when he said we have a small margin for error, right? And the Heat really do have a small margin for error in this series in particular um, because Nicole Jokic is going to be awesome every game. He's shown that during the playoffs. You're not going to slow him down. So you have to slow down Jamal Murray, and you have to hit your threes. And if Miami does those two things, the Heat have a chance – even this series of two games apiece tonight. If one of those things doesn't happen, I don't really see how this series is going back to Denver with the Nuggets not having a 3-1 lead and this thing likely being over on Monday night. And Tim, I got to ask you, when you when you say slow down Jamal Murray, and we talk about adjustments all the time, what adjustments do the Miami Heat need to make from game three to game four in slowing down a Jamal Murray? Well, some of it is Jamal's just going to hit really tough shots here, right? So you have to, you know, sort of deal with him making some shots. And if he's just going on a night, there's only so much he can do. But, uh, you know, I think they need to try to run him through as much action, as many actions as they can uh, on the offensive end of the court, run him through a ton of screens, put him in his everything they can to try to wear him out a little bit and tire him out, especially with this being the one game in this series that comes with only one day off between games. Try to Try to take his energy out a little bit. And then Jimmy's just got to guard him throughout the game like he did in game two and, and really try to make life as difficult on him as possible. Um, because, you know, he's got the size and strength to give Jamal, who, you know, might not seem like a big guy when you're watching on TV compared to everybody else in the court, but he's a big physical guard. I mean, you're talking about a 6'4", six, 6'5", six, you know, really physical, strong player. Um, you know, so Jimmy's just got to get up into him and, and make life difficult on him. But that's really all they can do is just – Try to make Jamal spend as much energy as possible and work as hard as he can and um, and do whatever you can to make his life as hard on him as you can because, that again, we're talking about really small margins for the Heat, and they have to try to maximize every advantage they can, they can get and then see where things go from there. We're talking to Tim Bonteps on Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, and let's talk about Jokic for a second. I know this 
Feels like a redundant conversation for a lot of people covering the league, but I'm going to compare Jokic to an indie band, right? Like nobody's ever heard of this band, but they have a huge fan base, and the people that love that band love that band. And then all of a sudden, the rest of the world finds out about that band, and everybody suddenly acts like this is brand new. For for guys like you that have been covering the league, you've seen so much of Jokic. Just what you're seeing right now, how does it compare to the Jokic that has been going on during the regular season that, frankly, most people haven't been paying any attention to? I mean, I think it's a bit, it's more or less the same. And, and what's just impressive about it is that he's doing it at the high stage and in the biggest, biggest moments, right? I mean, this is the thing that I really enjoy about watching guys go through the NBA playoffs and evolve and grow as players is you want to see how guys respond in the biggest moments, right? And Jokic, I thought coming into these playoffs had more pressure on him than any player in the league because – all the, all the excuses from the past couple of years about Denver were gone. Jamal Murray was healthy. Michael Porter was healthy. Denver had the best record in the West. Frankly, the West wasn't very good this year. Um, there were all these reasons to look at Denver and say, all right, they were the dominant team in the West all season long. If they can't get to the NBA Finals this year with Nikola Jokic as their best player, maybe you just can't get there with Nikola Jokic. Maybe his defensive issues are too much to overcome. Um, and instead – Jokic has risen to every single challenge and has been phenomenal in these playoffs, averaged a triple-double each of the last two rounds, had the first 30-20-10 game in the history of the finals in game three, has done everything his team needs to win, and has Denver within a couple wins of winning their first-ever championship and has this team poised to potentially be, you know, one of the you know one of the dominant teams in the league for the next few seasons. So that, to me, has been what's impressive about it, is that we've seen him – take his game and apply it to the biggest stage and, and lift the Denver Nuggets to a place they've never been before. And, you know, like I said, that's the beauty of the NBA playoffs is seeing over two months, a guy, you know, take on so many different challengers and find a way to come out on top. Jokic has done that. And then some, and we'll see if he and the Nuggets can get a couple more wins and close the series out. Now, Tim, I want to focus on something that I don't think a lot of people are actually honing in on when it comes to the Denver Nuggets in, in game three that they just won. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. hasn't had the best NBA Finals. He only played 21 minutes in Game 3, but Bruce Brown played 29, and also Christian Brown played 19, having 15 points. What kind of message do you think that Coach Michael Malone um, has sent to Michael Porter Jr. in this series, especially in Game 3? I mean, it's the same one he sent all season long, right, and for years now, frankly. Michael Malone is a pretty blunt, direct guy, and he communicates that way both in private and in public. We've seen that time and again. And look, I mean, Michael Porter is not hitting shots. He's not that useful a guy to have on the court, right? He's never been a great defensive player. He's obviously not a guy who's really creating shots for other players. He's a play finisher. You get him the ball, and he rises up and buries shots. And he's got one of the prettiest jumpers in the league. But if it's not going in, and right now it's not going in, then it's pretty easy to go to a guy like Bruce Brown and say, you know, we're going to get a guy who guards who can handle the ball and can do a lot of different things. So certainly it will make Denver's life a lot easier if Michael Porter starts knocking down shots here in game four. But I think if he doesn't, I think we're going to see another quick hook and probably a lot of Bruce Brown, who Denver has shown time and again this year they're in pretty good shape if they've got him out there closing games inside of Michael Porter like they did oftentimes throughout the regular season. We're talking to Tim Bontemps, ESPN NBA reporter. Tim, the Nuggets also in the news today, not for the finals, but for a trade. They acquired 
This is complicated. The least favorable of Oklahoma City's first-round picks in 2024 and a few other picks in exchange for the Nuggets' 2029 first-rounder in an attempt to expand their championship window, apparently. So it leads to the question, what is the Nuggets' championship window beyond this year in your mind? Oh, I think it's wide open. Um, I think it's wide open. I mean, you look at the Western Conference right now, right? I mean – the Phoenix Suns, you know, obviously we all talked about Chris Paul the last couple of days. It's not like Phoenix has obvious ways to improve this team to get better. Um, the Lakers, similar situation, right? LeBron and AD are old. They don't have a ton, a ton of supporting cast around them right now. They have limited ways to improve that this summer. We just saw Denver sweep them out of the playoffs. Obviously, there's a pretty big gap between those teams. You know, we'll see what happens with Memphis. Um, we'll see what happens with Golden State. But it's not like there's another team that's in the West that's looking like it's going to rise up and be a true threat to Denver going forward that you wouldn't go into next season thinking, all right, for this year and the next couple, Denver's the team to beat in the West. All these guys are under contract going forward. Jokic never gets hurt, right? He's all, he plays this ground-bound style. He's always healthy, always available. Jamal Murray is back looking like he was before his ACL injury. Aaron Gordon, I mean, all these guys, they're young, they're in their primes, they're under contract, like – there's every reason to think that Denver's got a chance to be in contention to win the West for the next three to five years. And if you're in the contention to win your conference for that long, you can easily pick up a couple of rings, if not more. So, yeah, I mean, again, it's a little premature, right? Because we still got to see if Denver can close this thing out. As we've seen, Miami is surprised this time and again throughout the playoffs. But if Denver gets a couple more wins and wins the title, I think you could certainly look at this Denver team and say, at minimum, they're going to be in the mix the next few years. And if you're in the mix, that gives you a chance to, to add to your tally. And, you know, potentially, you know, maybe at the end of this decade, we're talking about the Denver Nuggets as, you know, the team of the decade. Just like 10 years ago when Golden State was starting at the scent, nobody probably would have said at the time, well, yeah, Golden State's going to be the team of the decade in the 2010s, right? But by the end of the decade, it was pretty clear they were the dominant force. And maybe we'll be saying the same thing about Denver in a few years. Tim, let's focus on the Phoenix Suns really quick. Where is the most likely landing spot for Chris Paul if he is waived? Um, I would say it's either going back to Phoenix, which without getting way in the weeds on cap stuff, if they don't stretch his contract, they could re-sign him, um, or going to one of the L.A. teams. Uh, Chris has still got an offseason home there. Um, you know, I, I think both the Clippers and Lakers, obviously, especially if Russ doesn't go back to, L, to the Clippers, both could have a hole at point guard, both – could very obviously use Chris Paul in a supporting role. Um, so I would say if he does uh, actually end up getting waived by the Suns, I would say one of those three teams, if I'm ranking them, are the most likely places for him to wind up next season. Tim, as always, my friend, we appreciate your insight. Enjoy game four tonight. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Tim Bontemps, ESPN NBA reporter. I want to get everybody caught up, by the way, some breaking news per Adam Schefter. I don't think this is shocking, but unable to find a lost last-minute trade partner, the Vikings now have officially released four-time Pro Bowler Dalvin Cook. That's just Uh-oh. come down to the last few minutes. Dalvin Cook is officially, officially a free agent. Fitz and Harry is presented by Progressive Insurance. Protect your family, your phone, and your furry friends with life, electronic device, and Pet health insurance like I do with Annabelle. Love you, Annabelle. All right, coming up, Dalvin Cook, not the only player we're waiting on to decide their future. We'll tell you why it's probably down to three teams for one future Hall of Famer. That's next, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN. 
the Suns are planning on waiving the point god himself, Chris Paul. The bottom line, he's 38 years of age, one of the greatest point guards in NBA history. He's got to be in a position where he's competing for a championship. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. The Suns are planning on waiving the point god himself, Chris Paul. The bottom line, he's 38 years of age, one of the greatest point guards in NBA history. He's got to be in a position where he's competing for a championship. No true surprises. If you look at the Lakers and the Clippers, both of those opportunities make sense for different reasons. They've come up short based on expectations. He adds to that position big time for both of those squads. This is Fitz and Harry's Love Friday. Ain't nobody making love to this. This is way too energetic and, and like happy for like which one of you jackrabbits put this one in? Evan, I'm not surprised. Fitz and Harry on ESPN radio, the ESPN app. All I can imagine is Evan getting out of the shower, wearing a towel and just whipping it off me like, Woo! I know. What? I will say Only this, one like you. This guy's voice, Barry White's voice sounds exactly like this, right? I'm, this is Fitz and Harry's Love Friday. I mean... It has now been taken to another level, Dev. <laughs> I'm just imagining you open the door, this is playing, and Evan's hanging off the ceiling fan, and it's going full blast. Like, Evan Evan got up on the ceiling fan, thought it was, and then all of a sudden, whoa, it's just whipping Evan around. Oh, yeah, feet dangling everywhere. Feet dangling. <laughs> feet. Hey, yo! His, his, feet side, his, his size, four shoes. Just <laughs> The only ride at the amusement park I can actually get on. Hey, yo! <laughs> oh, Fitz and Harry's presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm sure they love me telling you that right now. Uh, family matters. And I, I'm going to oversimplify as we start this discussion. A very important reminder to everybody that there's a human element to athletes. And I think, frankly... We forget it all the time as fans. And this show has always been very clear in what we represent. Harry will represent the voice of the athlete. Ten years in the NFL, his brother played in the NBA. His family's full of athletes. I represent the voice of the fan. I'm here because of my love of sports. That's why I got to where I am. Sometimes when you sit in my seat, Harry, you forget the human element that comes into decisions. And part of that has to be discussed when we talk about Chris Paul because it's easy to sit here and say well Chris Paul should go to this team and this team and this team and this team but also we need to step back long enough to at least acknowledge that Chris Paul may be making a decision not solely based on championships but also based on I don't know family because that's real for players when they're deciding where they want to play next yeah and a lot of times you know people look at these athletes as they're playing a very very high level especially professionally and you look at them as being gladiators and they're making all this money. So you put them on a pedestal and sometimes, you know, you tend to forget that they all are also humans and there are human elements to certain things when it comes to their lives. And I think when you look at a guy like Chris Paul, 
um, if he's waived from the Phoenix Suns and where he could possibly possibly be going. And then you look at a broader pick, uh, spectrum. Yes, does he fit with the Boston Celtics? Of course he does. Would he fit phenomenal, I think, with the Philadelphia 76ers? Hell yes, he would. But when you look at the human element and you look at the family portion of, of it all, Chris Paul and his family is not with him in Phoenix. They're still in Los Angeles. And I think that plays a major factor in where he's probably going to end up if he's waived. Now, I think it's highly likely he remains in Phoenix. But if he doesn't remain in Phoenix, I think one of the teams in Los Angeles is very feasible for him to play next because of that family aspect. And fix. I can't help but, you know, think about me and my career and later, later uh, my last year at the year 10, I was thinking about playing again, right? I went out and, you know, I, I spent a few, a, a couple workouts with Derek Carr and Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams and, you know, had a workout with the Oakland Raiders at the time. And I was thinking about, you know, joining that squad, but I went to thinking about it and my daughter was young at the time. And, you know, my wife was back in Atlanta and I said to myself, do I really want to be away from my family that far on the West Coast? Because my wife was going back to Atlanta a lot when I was in Nashville because all her help was here in Atlanta. And when it all, when it all boiled down, I, t- I told myself, no, I don't, I don't think I want to sacrifice that much to the point to where I'm not with my wife and I'm not with my daughter, who's very, very young at the time. So I was like, you know what? It's just, it's just you know, better for me to retire versus me going all the way to the West Coast and you know, making things hard on us as a family. And that's the real element, a real part of it that a lot of people don't understand and realize. There's such a human part of it for everything. Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. uh, I've got a friend that used to work here at ESPN, and part of the reason that she no longer works here is because it was just away from her entire family being in Bristol, Connecticut. That wasn't something that appealed to her. And at one point you wake up and you say, man, this just isn't worth it. Uh, You know, I, I had the chance while I was out in Vegas to see a buddy that I think has an absolute positive dream job in a city that you know I love like you know how much I love Vegas and as we sat down to talk most of the conversation was about how he's looking at opportunities to leave Vegas because he's got a family now and the more help he can get with that family the better it can be for right and so you think about all of these little real life portions of it and then you factor in the long marathon of the NBA season like it's not like you can just say you know what I'm going to get a bye week here I'm going to get the chance to go home here Uh, Phoenix is at least a short flight to LA but when you start talking about being on the other side of the country in the marathon of the NBA season you're basically deciding to miss everything for what, right? Like, so as much as a championship is obviously a huge part of what we talk about, I don't, I would never, ever as a human being want to look at a grown ass man and say, well, you should, you should really prioritize the championship over your family. Like, that's not, that's not real, right? Like, there's no real world where that should exist. That being said, you know, and Chris Paul has made it clear that the conversation happens impacts his family. We've told you about that too. But I think part of this comes down to why we're all in agreement that the West Coast makes the most sense for the human being. This is what Brian Windhorst said, ESPN NBA analyst on Get Up, about possible landing spots for CP3. I think his future is in in one of two places. One is Los Angeles, be it the Lakers or the Clippers, both teams potentially in need of a point guard. Their point guards on both teams are free agents, Russell Westbrook, D'Angelo Russell. And it's not out of the realm of possibility. I think it's worth pointing out that the Suns could bring him back. It would almost act kind of like an NFL-style restructuring where his contract is paid out in a partial guarantee and they bring him back for a lesser salary. But that's what I would bet on. I would bet on either L.A. or Phoenix for Chris Paul once we get into July. Harry, what I would 
wouldn't bet on is somebody looking around that has told us so clearly how important his family is and then deciding that between preseason, regular season, and then what you hope is a championship-caliber postseason, you're willing to be away from that family from, I don't know, the beginning of October all the way until now, the end of June. Almost a full calendar year away from your family. I think that asking Chris Paul to make that sacrifice at this point, like none of us, none of us have the right to presume that he would do that. Well, no, and his kids are of the age where, you know, they need their father. And they don't need their father all the way across the country, you know, when, when they're going through things and they, they, they need to be close to him to be able to get. And I understand you have phones and FaceTime and all that, but that's different when you have an opportunity to be there present with your kids. You know, L.A. to Phoenix, that's, that's, not a, that's a hop and a skip uh, of, of a flight. And they're able, his family, to go visit him um, on multiple occasions. But that East Coast, now you're talking about time change. The kids are in school. This is just a whole lot of hurdles that you got to deal with in order to have your family come see you and be with them, and, and which we know is very, very important. And not just Chris Paul's life, but a lot of these athletes' life. And, and that's just something I think I, I want fans to, you know, understand and have more common courtesy about because this is something when it comes to these professional athletes, they love their families. There's nothing more in this world that I love more than my wife and my kids. Yeah, and like that's my family and I do anything and, and everything for them. And I would rather sacrifice versus having them make, make that sacrifice because it's a lot of different hurdles you gotta, you gotta go through when it's all of them that have to sacrifice versus just you. We see it on this show every single day, the work that you put into making sure that you're a present dad, even though you travel for work and even though we're busy all the time, the work that you put in, you add on to that, the, the schedule for an NBA player, man. I just think all of us need to calm down on the conversation about legacy and championships with Chris Ball and let him make the decision first of what's most important and what's best for his family. Coming up, Dalvin Cook is now officially a free agent to sign with any team that he wants to. Will any of those teams become Super Bowl contenders with him on the roster? We'll tell you about it, but first, Harry has to tell you this about somebody. O'Reilly, he's got to tell you this about O'Reilly. Is your check engine light on? Don't ignore it. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today and let their professional parts people scan your vehicle for free. They will retrieve codes, discuss possible solutions, and even help you find a professional technician if needed. For check engine light diagnosis, repair advice, or the right tools and parts, get everything you need from the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. This is Fitz and Harry's Love Friday. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. Hey, Devin, can you play the guy's sexy voice again? This is Fitz and Harry's Love Friday. I'm telling you, man. Like, whatever we pay him, it is not enough. It is not <laughs> enough. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna get him to record messages on my phone and just play it. It's gonna help. All right. So, speaking of Love Fridays, when I think love, I think Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL Insider, joining us now. Dan, happy Love Friday, well, my doesn't? friend. <laughs> 
What's um? I, I didn't I didn't realize what I was walking into here. I, I guess I've not done the show on a Friday before, or else this is new. I, I don't know, but it, uh, this is great. I'm yeah. excited about it. The, the objective on Friday's yeah. music is to make sure that we spend Friday afternoon helping set the mood for Friday night, and all we ask all in right. return is if babies are made, they consider Fitz and Harry as names. That's it. Like, just a well, little credit. You're, at, you're barking up the wrong tree here, but okay. uh, but that's good. I hope I hope it works out for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I hope it works out for Dalvin Cook to go somewhere and win a Super Bowl. The question is, now that we have the news that he has officially been released, uh, where does he end up? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it'll be somewhere. He, he, he's not even 28 yet, and, uh, and, and he'll help somebody. The, the issue with Dalvin Cook isn't, like, could he still play? The issue is, if you're the Minnesota Vikings, do you want to pay him you know, ten, eleven million dollars to play, and and frankly, there just aren't a lot of teams that are using running backs to an extent that justifies that. So, let's let's say you know the teams we've heard, Miami, Denver, places where there are there 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 is a, a presence of running back already, where he could be part of a thing, right? As opposed to like the main guy, and I think that's that's the way he probably has to look at it. And, and there are some good spots for him. I mean, Robert Sala with the Jets was talking today about possibly kicking the tires there. So. Um, you know, there's some good spots where he could where he could join quality offenses with a chance to win, and, and probably just sort of have to accept a different kind of role than he's been used to so far in his career. But um, but I, I don't think it'll be an issue for him finding work. I mean, the only problem running back is tough. Like Ezekiel Elliott's been out there a few months. Leonard Fournette has been out there a few months. Like there are guys out there on the market that haven't found homes. But Dalvin Cook has been a big play guy and uh, and someone who can catch the ball out of the backfield and do a number of different things that teams are looking for out of their running backs, and, and I, I think he'll be all right. Now, Graz, Sean Payton is the head coach of the Denver Broncos, and one thing I know about Sean Payton is that he loves to use multiple backs, not just two of them from his days sure. in New Orleans, two, three, four of them, as many as he has, he loves to use those guys. What would Dalvin Cook do for a guy like Russell Wilson if he went to Denver? Well, a big part of the problem in Denver, and I'm not absolving Russell Wilson. I mean, he was awful last year. But a big part of the problem in Denver last year was that the running game fell apart. They were counting on a lot from Javante Williams, you know, who was a second-year guy last year who got hurt very, very early in the season and missed the rest of the year. So, you know, he's on his way back. They they brought in Samaji Ryan from um, Cincinnati. And, 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 uh, and you're right, Sean Payton likes to involve these guys differently. I don't know that it's as much – he wants to use a lot of different backs as much as like he sees them differently, right? Like what kind of roles could they fill? So I think Dalvin cook is a guy that can do some things, you know, maybe something, I mean, P Ryan is a great pass protector and pass catcher. Javante Williams could be a between the tackles guy, you know, cook may be somebody that, that Peyton sees as, you know, a, a slightly different role than one of those two guys, or maybe it's just a matter of having some insurance in case Williams takes a while coming back from that injury. So I, I do think he's the kind of back you know, the, the guy that jumps out to you, it, it, for Peyton, he had, what, he had Mark Ingram and he had Alvin Kamara, and that was the heyday there of, of, the, of the running backs. And then when he won the Super Bowl, he had a couple different guys. I think Pierre Thomas, right, was, was part Reggie of that Bush. team. Yep. And Reggie Bush. So it, you've seen it before where he just kind of uses these guys as, you know, offensive weapons, if you want, and, and, and tailors their job around their skill set. So if he's looking at Dalvin Cook, he has something in mind. This guy would be this kind of player for us. Yeah, and I, and I would say this. Playing against Sean Payton a lot in Atlanta, guys like Alvin Kamara, Reggie Bush, Darren Sproles, 
They used to love this place called uh, this play called H Choice out of the backfield, and all of those guys was that H Choice runner where they're getting matched up with linebackers and safeties, mm-hmm. and you know they have two way goals and able to beat those guys one on one. So I know that'll be a big part of their uh, of their offensive system as well. I just want to note that. Carl. So so Dan, no, I mean, but Cook can be a guy that can thrive in that kind of role, right? Like yep. he, he could he could beat a, a linebacker in coverage, obviously, and and so yeah, I think that's. Yeah, it would be a neat fit, and so would Miami, given all the different stuff they do on offense and all the speed they have there. Now I'm going to act like I'm a Vikings fan for a second, and I'm just going to ask you if I am. What the hell is my team doing? They're getting rid of everybody. Yeah. So last year, new coach and new GM, right? And they win 13 games. Kind of, I I, I mean, my guess is if you got them in an honest moment, they would say that was a surprise. Uh, they they obviously needed a lot of work on defense, and, and I don't know that – I mean, they're looking at Kirk Cousins as the long-term answer there. So my guess is, you know, my sense of it is, rather, that these guys are trying to, you know, build something long-term for the future, and so they've spent this offseason unloading guys that make a bunch of money and they didn't think were going to be a part of it going forward. So Alexander Madison will probably take over as the lead guy there in Minnesota. And they had a couple other backs they like. And who knows, maybe they get one of these veterans in there uh, for cheaper than, than Dalvin Cook was. Um, but, yeah, I think Minnesota is looking at this as 2024 and beyond um, what we want to do that's sustainable. Because I think if an honest look at what they did last year would tell you it's not sustainable. 11 one-score wins. Um, a defense that really just couldn't stop anybody up to and including finally the Giants in the, in the playoffs. So I think they feel like they have to build something a a little more sustainable, build a foundation as opposed to just sort of uh, get caught up in the fool's gold of a, of a 13 win season that probably was a little bit more than they, that, that, you know, probably didn't reflect how good they actually were. So I don't think anyone's surprised that was paying attention to the contract situations that Dalvin Cook is on the market. I, I think this, this has been signaled for a long time by Minnesota. And, um, you know, we'll see what else they do. They've moved on from uh, a number of guys already, a number of veterans. Now we're starting to hear rumblings that Daniel Hunter might be a guy that, uh, that, that teams could call about. So uh, I think there's something like a teardown going on in Minnesota. Dan, as always, you know, I don't know how we ran out of time before I could ask you why the Raiders are going to shock the world this year. God, I just, you know, it's... Maybe they'll so... sign Dalvin Cook. Oh, okay. God. You know, what do you got? Jacobs on the franchise tag? Who knows? You know what, Dan? You made that you're, up. You're not I'm helping. Not, Dan, I'm, you're... That's not a report. You know what? It's Love, Fr- <laughs> it's love Friday, Dan. You can help me here. Love so Friday. It's... You guys have a happy Love Friday. Thank I you. hope it goes well for I, you. I wish you all the cuddling well, in the well, world. Well, Dan, Thank we you. hope it goes well for <laughs> you as well. Not just us. I mean, it's for all of us. I appreciate that very much. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate it. Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL Insider. Tune into an AL East rivalry Sunday. The Yankees host the Red Sox. Coverage of Sunday Night Baseball begins at 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app at 7 p.m. on ESPN. Speaking of Dalvin Cook, wait until you hear what one NFL coach said when he was asked about signing Cook. You won't want to miss it. It is absolutely going to be memorable. You'll hear it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
This is Fitz and Harry's Love Friday. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. I want to know what it's like to party with Mike McDaniel, Dolphins head coach. Because I just sometimes, Harry, get the sense that partying with Mike McDaniel might be a good time. Because yesterday at his press conference, obviously, he was going to be asked about Dalvin Cook rumors. We talked about it yesterday. What a perfect fit Dalvin Cook would be with the Miami Dolphins. In fact, on Instagram, uh, he posted a picture, he being Dalvin Cook, of him in a Vikings jersey, but he's on the sidelines at Hard Rock Stadium celebrating like a maniac, right? So the ties are there. We all know the ties are there. Everybody's going to ask about it. But the problem is Mike McDaniel is the head coach of the Dolphins. At the time, Dalvin Cook, now released at the time, was still on somebody else's roster, which means Coach can't talk about it. Now, I want you to hear this, Harry. You tell me what you think. Because Mike McDaniel definitely took us around the ringer when he was asked about the Dalvin Cook rumors and said this. March 3rd, 1983. Uh, that day I was born, right? Now we take a closer look at that date. And that, in fact, was not yesterday. Okay, so... Um, uh, People that are on, people are rumored to be um, tall, short. People that are rumored to be, um, you know, that's, you're not, you're not going to get this guy. I'm year two, okay? <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I tried to hold my lap. So when I first heard this yesterday, I think I texted all of y'all, like, I was crying laughing because <laughs> Mike McDaniel is hilarious to me. And everything, his voice, first of all, it always sounds like he's stoned. Mm -hmm. So that's the number one thing that's funny. But that's him trying to maneuver around a question because he isn't able to talk about Dalvin Cook because at the time he was still on the Minnesota Vikings. And we got to remember, this is a Miami Dolphins team now who already had to forfeit a first round draft pick in the 2023 NFL draft for tampering reasons. So he was making sure he did everything in his power to not put himself in that position. It just happened to be funny as hell in the process of doing so. The tampering history is obviously a huge part of this. He's got to be careful. And you're a thousand percent right. Now, you know, I live in a state where consuming edibles is legal and responsible, right? For as long as you do it responsibly, <laughs> you can do it. We all have that friend when you're hanging out, right? Like you get in a group and you ask him some, you walk in and you'd be like, so what do you think, guys? Uh, conspiracy theory. Aliens. Are they walking among us? And they start the answer like this. March 3rd, 1983. So detailed. Uh, that day I was born. The day I was born. Right? Now we take a closer look at that date. Mm-hmm. And that, in fact, was not yesterday. I mean, that right what? there is the most, <laughs> like, you got the whole room. We're, we're on every, all you had to do is say, guys, I wasn't born yesterday. But to take us through that deep dive, anytime somebody asks a very basic question, you interested in Dalvin Cook? Uh, would the Dolphins be interested? And you start with the answer, March 3rd, 19th. Like, then you know you're just being taken <laughs> on a wild journey. But this is part of what makes Mike McDaniel particularly lovable to a lot of his players. Like, he's sort of a weird dude that does, 
does everything in a very natural, like, that is very real from him. It's just kind of awkward, and that seems to be who he is. Yeah, I think um, for me personally, seeing Mike McDaniel in the way he um, carries himself and the way he does things, he's unapologetically himself. And even if you may be kind of corny or lame or whatever people call it these days, your players can respect that because you're not trying to be someone that you're not. You're being your authentic self. And I appreciate that. And I also appreciated that from coaches and also teammates that I had. Guys that were, you know, comfortable enough in their skin to be authentically themselves and not try to be someone that they weren't. I respect the hell out of that, Fitz. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm authentically just a naturally cool badass every single day that we're on the radio together. You, you know, it just you exudes are. from me. Okay, fine. You, uh, it, you know, speaking of always themselves, another coach always himself, Andy Reid, by the way, you're listening to Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. Uh, it, I guess coaches were on one yesterday because it feels like everybody was having a good time. The Chiefs were at the White House. We all know that at, at this point. They were celebrating their Super Bowl victory, uh, which means they got to eat some food at the White House. Andy Reid, uh, Chiefs head coach, was asked what they ate at the White House, and this is how it went down. I've never had this before. So a French toast, grilled cheese, and ham sandwich uh, that they sprinkled a little bit of powdered sugar on. I mean, it was phenomenal. Uh, the guys were – and it was – there was abundance of this, uh, and and then they had uh, chicken fingers, exotic chicken fingers, to put, and then maybe the best part was they had, uh, which I hadn't seen before, but little bite-sized squares of the heart of the watermelon. So whoever, you know, my hat went off to the chef. I went back and talked to him. I mean, I just go, you guys are unbelievable. I mean, whoever cut all of that out and had the patience to do that, that goes off to them. Harry, that's what I'm talking about, Andy Reid. That's what I'm talking about, Big Red. Be yourself. Andy Reid talking about food and not being ashamed to talk about food because he's a big guy. Mm -hmm. I love everything about this. We just talk about being authentically yourself. That's what big. That's that's what Andy Reid is all about. I call him Big Red. That's what Big Red is all about. Man. Oh no no no! He's pulling one over on us here completely because what? there ain't no way. The first thing he described: French toast on a, a grilled cheese, cheese sandwich. Gr that, that's a Monte Cristo. <laughs> all right, Andy Reid. That's a Monte Cristo. They serve those all over the South. Like you know, you get like you get the sandwich, you dip it, you fry like you. It's kind of like uh, French toast meets but a sandwich. Andy with a little hasn't been sugar. to the South in forever. He I was mean, in Philly for a long yeah, time. Do you think that's a Kansas City Now he's City been thing? in Kansas City for forever. Cristos he doesn't come. City. to the south like that. Oh, come on. Like, I mean, even Evan. Like, Evan's, I'm not buying it. I'm Evan's not, not buying that Andy yeah. Reid has never had a Monte Cristo and like, has never heard of a Monte Cristo. <laughs> I, look, all you got to do is look at the Kool-Aid man and you know he's had a Monte Cristo. Like, he's walked through the door, he's gone, oh yeah, and he's had a Monte Cristo. Like, there's <laughs> no two ways. He said, I went over to the chef and I talked to him and I told him, you guys are amazing. <laughs> that part was hilarious. Also, Andy Reid is objectively really rich you've never had like like been at a party when you're really rich where they've like gutted the little like watermelon and put now the little stop. watermelon uh, now stop Fitz no I haven't been to no party where they gutted watermelon they always cut them is bad that the right boys phrase up gutted in, the watermelon in, in triangles. Right phrase. I've always had triangle cutted watermelon uh, look uh, I, I have learned something because I've been lucky enough to perform at the White House several times in my musical career what do you mean uh, perform uh, the music like just go oh, in and play okay. like uh, play play as part I of the I know it's Love Friday I'm about to okay. say you well, we're going there, there with the White House, but like I will say this, <laughs> I ain't never got no Monte Cristo. Like I'm just saying, like usually uh, it, it's been it's been less than that. Exotic chicken fingers. <sighs> Does Miami need a miracle or exotic chicken fingers? We'll break it down next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. 
Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 